Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. It's still real to me, damn it! Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the So Real to Show. Episode number 682, March 9th, 2023. Welcome to your AW Revolution recap and review edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I'm hoping that it's May. I'm Jeff Pack. Joined, as always, by my co-host, the only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, we spent about five minutes before the podcast talking about weather, my friend. Yeah, and then you said you wish it was May. I don't because that's my birthday month, which means uh, this year is my official closer to 50 than I am 40 birthday. So it puts me at 46, and I'm like little dreading it. But, you know, it is what it is. I got I got a four-year-old, so he, you know, Sammy Franklin run around makes me feel like I'm 36, I guess. But it is what it is. Uh, so what does 36 feel like? Because I'm 36 now to you. What is 36? Is that like my joints oh, are okay and everything? Was, 36 was, I, I have mornings where I'm a little bit achy, but it's you typically feeling pretty good. A little bit more maturity on underneath your belt, <laughs> a, a little wider. You don't make the dumb mistakes you did when you were 26. Um, so that's in my head. That's how I remember 30. 36, I think, is actually also when I was going through my divorce. So there's that <laughs> There's that on there, too. So. Um, when do you start going to bed early? Uh, for me, I don't know. What's early? Because I still go to bed around 10, 30 or 11 every day. Okay, that's not bad. I would say that's... I, no, that's probably pretty normal. I do about the now, 10, 30 to 11, 30 run. Now, the wife, who is 36... She goes to bed at like nine fifteen, so wow. she she goes to bed early. But then again, she has to get up and make sure the sixteen year old gets on the bus at like five thirty in the morning. So is that really when the bus comes? Of, the well, he's he gets I, up at five thirty. The bus comes at six. Yeah, that's that's early, man. Yeah, but he gets home from school at like three thirty, like the off hell? the bus at the front door at three thirty, and I'm like. Yeah, I didn't get home from school till like four thirty back in my day, but we didn't have to be there until like eight thirty. Well, about eight eight thirty. So. But for what it's worth, I mean, you did have to walk fifty miles both ways in the snow in August to do well, that. That's because the bus was uh, Flintstone powered, where we all <laughs> had to put our feet down and just pedal the bus. So, uh, but between that, the walking uphill, and then carrying all my uh, uh, tablets made of slate uh, in my backpack uh to the school that that kind of wore me out also yeah i'm mean, understandable um but that's that was technology back then so it's oh yeah it, it all comes around dr try so I there you go weather and age at the eights here on srtu 
I might have been the last class in my school that actually had typewriting classes on a typewriter. Um, did I? I think I did. I I want to say, did I? I felt like I learned how to type on it on a typewriter, and I'm not that the next year. They, not that old. The next year, the class of '96 got to move over onto keyboards and using an actual computer, but the computer weighed 745 pounds. <laughs> yeah, now it's just all on your phone. So yeah, I did take <laughs> keyboard, not keyboard. I took you know computer classes, and I loved playing the Oregon Trail. I don't know if that was a game for you yep. growing up, Doctor Trey, on oh, the computer. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm still waiting for my first case of dysentery. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, let's let's pause here because I <laughs> I have I do have a throwback story here. Okay, so right. before we get into AW Revolution and everything like this, I have a huge confession make because we're talking about mid 90s early 2000s and i want to see if this resonates with you as a wrestling fan did you ever hear of like mid 90s early 2000s um and i'm i know we've talked about this on the podcast in the past but i can't remember if you actually were in these but were you ever in an e-fed where you did uh, RP or role play where you would have to write out a promo someone would judge it they would then write a show and then whoever had what they believed to be the best written promo would win the air quote match do you remember efeds so i so by the way so i have a, a little follow up story real quick after the after we talk about this but i never i heard of efeds but I had AOL dial-up all the way up until I was, like, 26. So, like, uh, my online stuff was limited to, like, Yahoo Messenger and trying to pick up girls. Okay. Okay, fair. And I remember all the wrestling chat rooms back then. And I was a, I'm was i a little bit younger than you, and people would argue about wrestling. Now they just do it on uh, on Twitter. So, last night, I was like, I don't know how it came about, but I saw something about eFeds which is something that was big amongst wrestling fans back then where um, it was like one or two things, Dr. Trey. So you did eFeds where it was like role play and you would write out a promo or the second one was um, like this simulator. And I can't think of the one that it's called right now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you and I have talked about this as well, where you had like rosters from WWE, ECW, WCW, and you booked your own show. Do you remember those? It was like this simulator game. Yeah. yeah I forget what it was called. Remember. So it was like one of two things in the early on stages of internet. So back to the RPE feds. Um, I saw it last night and I went on this deep dive. I'm like, I wonder if the one I was part of is still out there on the internet. Like you don't hear anything about eFeds anymore because the internet evolved and it's been 23 years really since they did, they did those 22, 21 years. So I type it in and it's um, prime time championship wrestling okay anybody could go on there and check it out so primetime championship wrestling it still exists it is a website from 2004 and it stopped after 2004 like literally this time of the year 2004 they stopped doing it. and i think it ran about four or five years and at the time it was like one of the biggest e-feds in the world so i was part of it i had a character i i won't say which character i had because uh, I want to see if any of our listeners go out there, check out the website, and find it, and, and figure out which character I was on um, on primetime championship wrestling. 
So I'm scrolling through the roster, which is still active, and I get to the letter J on the roster. And I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, and I come across a name. The name in primetime championship wrestling back in 2004 when I was doing this was one John Gargano. (laughs) I click the name, and I see that they're from Cleveland, Ohio. That is where they were residing from. Uh, The birth date was August 14th. And I remember when we did this, uh, this EFED, it was like, I'm going to add years to your actual birthday year and and make you come off older in as the character. That was like something that they did. I go to Johnny Gargano's Wikipedia page, and I see he was born August 14th, 1987. Obviously, we all know he's from Cleveland, Ohio. So at one time, I was in a EFED with 99.9% sure Johnny Gargano. And it just blew my mind. So to the point where, and I'm going to check my Twitter right now, I DM'd him today and I was like, hey, I, did, I went on a deep dive last night in the world of eFeds from back in the early 2000s to see if old websites I was part of were still up and running. And I think you and I used to be in, quote, co-workers. And I sent him the link of John Gargano that was up there. And it was, um, I mean, it's 99.9% him, Dr. Trey. It just blew my mind that... Uh, like a professional wrestler today was in this RP EFED I was in and has been extremely successful in his career. So, uh, so follow up question. So did you get a response back yet? I, I have not. I just literally checked. I have not still. Okay. So that means if we don't get a response back, we have to, you have connection. We got to get him on the show. I will certainly try. If I get a DM back, <laughs> I will do it. I'm trying to see if he's been active on Twitter today and it's been a little bit mild, a little bit, some retweets, not many likes, so it's probable he hasn't seen my DM yet. I'm I'm hopeful. I'll try to keep people updated on this. Worst case scenario is I'll simply tweet at him and be like, say the same thing, and be like, is this you? Um, in hopes that there's some sort of interaction from him. So, yeah, pretty, pretty wild that that's how it ran into. But Quick Strange, uh, early 2000s, old wrestling fandom stories right here on the beginning of SRTU. Yeah, so I didn't do the E-Feds, but... So my stepbrother, when I moved out to Nevada, I was probably about 19 or 20. This was really like Monday Night Wars were going strong, guys jumping back and forth. He was into Dungeons and Dragons, and I was never into Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gap, none of that stuff. But we were sitting down one day, he's like, you know, I could probably create a Dungeons and Dragons game based off pro wrestling. And so we sat down and came up with a storyline where basically at the time, you know, UFC had really kind of kicked off and Dana White had just took over. So the storyline we came up with was the success of mixed martial arts and UFC leads Vince to make wrestling, quote, more real. So we created an entire universe based around that precipice of, you know, being a pro wrestler in this environment and storytelling back and forth and it was weird because I, I really got into it and to the point where he knew, like, you know, like I'm a diehard Shawn Michaels fan. So every time we would do a storyline, like Shawn Michaels was trying to murder me throughout this entire <laughs> series. Like, I, like we'd get a, I'd get a girlfriend and then all of a sudden there's Shawn and Hunter trying to run me off the road and I have to roll my dice to see if I survive the crash. And then my girlfriend dies and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, and then we'd watch, you know, Monday Night Raw 
and I was sitting there legitimately getting pissed at Shawn Michaels on TV. I'm like, bastard tried to murder me. Yeah, screw that guy. I don't like him. Let's put back on Nitro, you know. So I didn't do the E-Feds, but that was my uh, that was my little uh, dalliance into the world of like fictional storyline wrestling. Uh, but speaking of dysentery, let's talk about AEW Revolution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's I just want to say, I, real quick, other stuff that's out there, Promotion Wars, uh, Pro Wrestling Superstar, that stuff, those simulators, still out there for people to uh, to uh, play. And that was one of those early onset wrestling games before uh, actual, I don't know, I mean, there were video games back then. But a little walk down memory lane here at the start of this week's edition of SRTU. Uh, let's get into it. AW Revolution recap review this past Sunday, March the 5th from the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. I just want to start by saying San Francisco had a great crowd. Really enjoyable night. Um, two back-to-back pay-per-views, Montreal for Elimination Chamber and uh, the San Francisco crowd for AW Revolution that were fantastic. So another great crowd. Uh, first match of the pre-show, we did not predict this one. Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros defeat Varsity Athletes and Ari Davari. Fun opener. I just felt like this trio match looked like every other one we see in AEW. I would like to see a different formula for these trios matches. Not much else for me to uh, say here, Dr. Trey. Yeah, I'm like on some of these matches when you get like the Lucha Bros and, and Briscoe against the varsity athletes, I on, on paper I'm like, this should be over pretty quickly. And it maybe ran a little longer than it needed to. I I they're big on like trying to give everybody what we call shine in the business, like a little bit of like offense it's like sometimes you don't really need to have a 50 50 match you can kind of make it pretty quick and, and go home and this one just seemed like it went a little long next match is from the main card now ricky starks defeats chris jericho dr tran and both are chris jericho getting the victory really great match to kick off the main card lots of fun i like the result with ricky starks getting the victory again over jericho as it continues to help his upward trend in aw i think the title needs to be placed on stark soon Dr. Trey, your thoughts on this one? Ricky Starks defeating Chris Jericho. Yeah, I was really, I was really surprised at the result. Really happy with it. It was a pretty damn good match. Really enjoyed it. Um, but then the booking of what happens on Dynamite throws me off. Like, I'm look, I'm like you. I'm like, all right, cool. Starks is jumping up the ladder here. That might be the next guy for MJF, or you know, up the ladder, and then we get Juice Robinson attacking him. Like, that feels like a step down from feuding with Jericho. So I, I once again, got a little bit confusing there. Next match is Jungle Boy Jack Perry defeating Chris, Christian Cage in the final burial match. We both had Jungle Boy getting the victory. Fun match, good storytelling, and another match where the younger star need the victory to help their upward trend. And was booked for that win. Great stuff. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? Yeah, despite the awkward, weird promo of Jungle Boy in a cemetery, like, the match itself was fine for, you know, casket match type thing like it was really good and really well done saw some stuff that we hadn't seen before in casket match so like yeah and then i'm with you I, like i think what you said a couple weeks ago like it feels like christian cage is kind of going out the door so if that's the case it makes sense to put jungle boy over and now maybe we can see jungle boy finally after what a year and a half long feud with christian cage move on to something else Next match is the House of Black defeating the Elite to win the AW World Trios Championship. I had the Elite, Dr. Trey, the House of Black. Surprising result because the Elite's reign was so short, but if there was a trio to dethrone them, it would be the House of Black. Uh, match was fun, but my only complaint is that these trios matches follow the same blueprint every single time, and they break down pretty quickly. I would like to see something different or just let these matches be tornado tags moving forward. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not surprised because the blueprint for this is kind of like the blueprint for most of the tag team matches as well. It's kind of that Lucha style that 
people are fans of and I, I still don't get. I like the old school six man tags where there's actually like some storytelling and things like that. All but action wise, it was great. And damn, Buddy Murphy and Kenny Omega need to have a one on one match too because that was really like their back and their chemistry was really good in that match. So uh, fun match. Just like I don't like chaos for the sake of chaos, I guess. Jamie Hader defeats Soraya and Ruby Soho to retain the AW Women's World Championship. I had Jamie Sater, a Hader, Dr. Trey had Soraya. Uh, the triple match, triple threat match was really good. The post-match stuff with Ruby Soho signing with Soraya and Tony Storm made no sense to me. Uh, why would she battle Soraya the entire match, but then side with her post-match? They should have done this on Dynamite, where Ruby did a backstage segment at Revolution saying she would make a decision on Wednesday, and then do what took place post-match, on Dynamite. That's my only complaint about this one. The match was fantastic. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? Yeah, love the match. Thought it was great. The finish is horrible because it makes no sense. Like like you said, why would Ruby fight Soraya the entire match, multiple times go for the pin, to then side with Soraya against Jamie Hayter post-match? Like, it wouldn't be better, like, just, a, a, just do a regular dusty finish where Ruby takes out, you know, Jamie, lets Soraya get the pin. And then, hey, you flip the titles back later on. It's not a, it's not a big deal. But to do it that way just makes it look like, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me if, it, if that was how she felt. Like, what happened after the victory that went, you know what? I'm on Soraya's side. Like, there, there was nothing. It just went boom into it. It made no sense. Next match is Hangman Adam Page defeating John Moxley in a Texas death match. We both had Hangman get the victory. A wild and violent match, incredible storytelling, maybe the most violent match we have seen from a major U.S. promotion in some time. The fork stabbing spot with Hangman's blood spurting over Moxley was disgusting and out of this world. Uh, These two guys put their bodies through some wild spots. Hangman needed this win and needed Moxley to tap out to make it even more important. Dr. Trey, your thoughts as Hangman gets a victory? Yeah, I'm still kind of torn on the submission aspect of it, but... You know, like what you said makes sense to me. But yeah, super ultraviolet match. Maybe the most, um, the closest thing we'll actually get to an actual deathmatch type wrestling on television ever. Like, that's pretty damn close. Like, I haven't seen anything like that since, like, Brody Abdullah the Butcher and World Class Championship Wrestling back in the 80s. Like, just blood and gore everywhere. So, I, it was a fantastic match. Really well done. I'm just not, I, I don't know if you want your. Is is I, I don't know who's a baby face in this, and that's I think I think it's case. Hangman, uh, and I think so, Moxley's starting to turn heel. From what we saw on Dynamite this past Wednesday, I think. So does that? So the entire club is turning heel. Yes, yes, okay. they are. Yeah. So if that's the case, and that's where you're going with it, then it makes sense. But it still kind of felt a little fifty fifty during the match because the crowd was on. You know, the crowd was cheering for both guys. So that as a as a casual fan, which is why I kind of feel like I am now, I didn't know who to root for. So that's why the submission was kind of fishy. But if Blackpool's going heel, then it makes sense for Moxie to tap out. Therefore, I'm actually okay with it now. Next match is Wardlow defeating Samoa Joe to win the AWTNT Championship. We both had Wardlow getting the victory. Okay match. Standard match we've seen between Wardlow and Samoa Joe in the past. The chokehold finish was surprising and a nice way to get Wardlow over strong as we rarely see Joe pass out. Back-to-back matches where the veterans tapped or passed out to get the younger star over. Uh, also to note here, Hobbs defeated Wardlow on Wednesday's Dynamite. Last night's Dynamite, thanks to help from QT Marshall. Um, so hot potato here with TNT Championship going from Samojo to Wardlow to Hobbs all in the span of 
three, four days. So, Dr. Trey, your thoughts here. So is the purpose of this match to get Joe off Dynamite and onto Ring of Honor exclusively? Like, I, I don't get, like, Warlow's supposed to be a dominant monster, has a dominant style match, comes out looking strong, and then you have him lose to Hobbs because of QT Marshall? Like, that is a little bit troublesome to me. Like, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. But, you know, the, for the pay-per-view itself, I thought the match was just was a better version of, like, the brawling monsters that we see on WWE. Like, they actually had some technical skill and a couple good spots, and it wasn't just, like, finisher, 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 matches over. At least that's what had a little bit of depth to it for two big guys going at it. I just don't like this all for the Wardlow character, to be honest with you. I mean, the match was good. I thought it was a... Or I thought the match was okay. Finish was very good to help get him over, and then he drops the title again. I mean, the guy went from dominant and someone that could not lose to now kind of kind of stammering a little bit over these last couple months. Well that's my that was my point. Like he yeah. lost a match to Hobbs because of QT Marshall. Yeah. Like this is a guy that was like winning like he basically beat what the entire firm by himself, you know, but yet he can't beat Hobbs with the help of QT Marshall. I'm like the 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 this psychology of the storytelling is broken at times. And this is one of the things that AEW does. And, and you and I can go back to Daniel Garcia. Somebody gets really hot. They get the big push. Then they don't know what to do with them. The push cools off. And now you're like, Hey, we're kind of having to start over here now again with these guys. So sometimes they don't really know when to cash in on a hot streak. Yeah. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. Uh, next match here is the guns defeating the acclaimed Jay lethal and Jeff Jarrett and orange, Excuse me. The Guns defeated the Acclaim, Triple J, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, and uh, the tag team, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, in a four-way tag team match to retain the AW World Tag Team Championship. We both had the, had the Guns getting the victory. Entertaining match that had a good amount of tags in a four-way tag team match. Great to see FTR back and focus on the Guns and the AW World Tag Team Championship. Not sure what this means yet for re-signing as their contracts expire in April, but I would take this as a really good sign, and uh, I would also add, if anybody listens to FTR with Dax Hardwood podcast, I listen to that, and it certainly does sound like they're probably leaning towards re-signing with AEW. Uh, overall, like I said, good match, and uh, a lot of tags for a fatal four-way match, Dr. Trey. Did you say their contract ends in April? Uh, yeah, yeah, it ends at the end of April. Uh, end of April. Like, oh, it's a shame they couldn't just show up at WrestleMania. No, Damn no, you. not yet, not yet. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But yeah, like the match itself was fine. But once again, I, I don't really understand the booking because the acclaimed don't get beaten. The guns get the win. So to me, that was set up the guns against the acclaimed because they haven't had their rematch since they lost the belts. But now the guns are moving on to FTR. And then what now do you do with the acclaimed because they were your hottest act and carried you for like four months on television. What do you do with them? Like, where do they go? Is there another tag team 
ready to get in with them because it feels to me like all the other tag teams are kind of tied up. So what do you do with the guys that were your biggest merchandise sellers for about four or five months? And you just like kind of left them out to dry. So the match itself was great. The booking, once again, a little bit questionable to me. Uh, and then finally, MJF defeats Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Ironman match to retain the AEW World, World Championship. Uh, we both had MJF getting the victory. Incredible match. MJF and Danielson and the crowd eating out of their hand. One of the best Ironman matches I've seen in some time. The near-fall sequences were amazing. The confusion over the low blow and 2-2 spot was a bit of a drawback. Um, and that's because the announcers didn't really know. It wasn't really being communicated well by the referee in that spot as well. I did love the finishing sequence for the actual Iron Man match and the sudden death sequence as well. Great storytelling, amazing work by all. Dr. Trey, MJF retains. Yeah, and to me, like I love the match. I, I would have liked to see him cheat to win just to establish him that he's like the shitty heel. Um, but then the story coming out that we see on Dynamite is, you know, Danielson talking about taking his ball and going home. You know, it's like, are we underselling the world title again for the sake of bigger name storyline makes me a little bit question because we didn't really establish. I mean, you and I kind of figure it's going to be Adam Cole that gets the next shot at MJF, but it's not really established yet. And you kind of want to strike while the iron's hot with your world champion. He just had a fantastic performance. Don't you kind of want to start setting him up for your next big event? And they didn't really do that. So match itself. Great. Uh, finish. I actually liked and a good way to close out the show. So pay-per-view predictions. We both went six and two on the year. I'm at 20 and four. Dr. Trey, 15 and nine um, match of the night and event rating. I gave it a 4.2. I was very high in AW revolution. We'll talk more about AW revolution here uh, in just a few seconds. And my match of the night was MJF and Brian Danielson. Dr. Trey, what say you? Yeah, uh, I'm at a 3.9. Um, and I think my I think if you had asked me Sunday night, I probably would have been at four point one. But Dynamite, the what happens on Dynamite kind of pulled Revolution down because they didn't really capitalize on stuff, or some stuff was kind of confusing. So I gave it a three point nine. My match of the night though was also MJF and Brian Danielson. So there you go. Uh, those are our thoughts here. Recap and review of AW Revolution. Feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast on Twitter. Um, Dr. Trey, we just spoke about the Iron Man match. We've been hyping this up since we thought that this was what it was leading to back in January. Talked about it on last week's show as well. So let's put it out there. Did MJF make a statement in his Iron Man match performance? Did he prove that he is a five-tool player and is just a good on the microphone he is as, as he is as an A-ring worker as well? I'm going to lean yes. Now, and that's only because you're doing an Iron Man match with Brian Danielson, who could probably carry, you know, Baba Tunde, you know, to a to at least a three and a half four star match, you know, like did Danielson carry MJF or MJF? I I lean towards MJF held his own. I didn't oh, see yeah, a lot yeah. of Danielson carrying the match. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you'll always have that knock that if you wrestle Brian Danielson that is Danielson carrying you a little bit, but I, I think he proved that he can hang with the best. Now the question is going to be, is he, does he become a Bret Hart, a Brian Danielson, even to a degree CM Punk when it comes to work rate right in the ring? Like, you know, can he carry somebody to a four and a half, five star match in that situation? But 
I think he proved he has all the tools. And like we already knew about the promo work, the look, everything else. This match kind of showed you that he can hold his own. So I think that puts him in like a minus category where if we see him the next time he does this, if he can carry somebody through a match, I think that's that really differentiates the the great. I mean, you go back to like Ric Flair, Ronnie Garvin, you know, steel cage match, 60 minute steel cage match. Garvin wasn't a great worker, but Flair carried him through it. We've seen it with Brian Danielson. We've seen it with Bret Hart. We've seen it with Shawn Michaels, CM Pugs, the elites of the world when it comes to this. MJF now is on that precipice, but can he actually now be the guy to carry somebody else? Like, can he drag somebody else up to his level as opposed to being on a level playing field like he is with a guy like Brian Danielson? See, I always have felt like with MJF that he is a underrated, good in-ring worker. Um, even before this current run, I would say in the last year, I've always enjoyed his work as an in-ring performer. Um, the match with Wheeler Yuta he had a couple months ago, I think it was in like October on Dynamite, was really good. I thought his performance in this match was really good. And I just think that he probably does not, not probably, he does not get enough credit for what he does in the ring. And I think it's because he doesn't wrestle all that often, Dr. Trey. You don't, like, I know you mentioned, going back to what you mentioned before, right? That you were high in AEW Revolution, then you watched Dynamite, and it was kind of a little bit of a drawback. And I'm in agreement with you that I felt like Dynamite did not capitalize on the momentum that they were able to muster up from Revolution. And I thought one of the things, again, post-pay-per-view, why is MJF not on television? Like, why aren't they running these segments that they want to do on this upcoming edition of AEW from Winnipeg? and run it after the pay-per-view. Like, why are they, what, what are they waiting for? And and that's the thing. And I, I feel like that they are marketing MJF, or MJF also wants to be marketed as this special attraction. And I get it as the world champion, your special attraction, but he's just not, <laughs> he's not there yet. He's not yeah. at the level where, like with Roman Reigns, like Roman's been to me, the only guy that's been able to pull off not being a uh, champion on television each and every week like we've seen. Like Lesnar, when he did it, I, it just felt out of place and wasn't great. Goldberg, when he did it, felt out of place and wasn't great. Roman, to me, is the only one that's been able to accomplish it. And MJF isn't on that level yet. Like MJF probably needs to wrestle at least once or twice in between pay-per-views on a Dynamite or even a Rampage if they want to raise ratings. I get that they wanted to be a special attraction, but like that's the thing where we all know as a character, he's he's great. We all know on the microphone, he's great. We all know in the squared circle as an entering performer, he's really good, but he's not to the great level yet, and that's because we don't see him wrestling all that much, as much as we'd like to. And he points that out and makes fun of the fans for saying this type of stuff that we're saying right now. But it's just true. I mean, this is not a guy who is a 33-year-old season veteran. He's in his mid-20s. The only reason why he's famous right now outside of his, his natural talent is what AEW has done for him uh, as that, that vehicle. And even then, I mean, even when he was coming up, he was not wrestling much on AEW television. He says he works smarter, not harder. And I think from an in-ring standpoint, to put him in that echelon where you're like, who's some of the best in-ring workers today? MJF should be in that discussion, but we're not seeing it to 
a regular level because he's not wrestling as much as Brian Danielson or Kenny Omega does in AEW right now. So I, I think that, to me, is the drawback, is while he is marketing himself and they are marketing him as a special attraction, it doesn't feel like he's a special attraction yet. Yeah, the biggest difference in like the guys you named at MGF, so like even Roman, like you know, you know, three years ago when Roman won the belt, Roman was on TV every single week for the first year and a half of that. Like we saw him everywhere, and then even now when he's maybe not on the show, you got Heyman, you got the Bloodline, they're all still referencing him, so he stays fresh in your mind. Where, you know, even the but the, then you look at the Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was known throughout the world, not just in wrestling but in also you know mainstream media goldberg was known throughout mainstream media so you didn't have to have them on tv you could allude to them and it still kind of worked where mjf outside of the wrestling world like the casual person on the street has no clue who mjf is that's a good point so are you a special attraction if people outside the bubble the niche don't know who you are you have to be on TV. You don't have to wrestle. Ric Flair didn't wrestle every single week on television back in the NWA days. Hogan didn't wrestle every single week, but you know what they were doing? They were cutting promos. They were out there in front of the audience. They were building the next storyline, and that's where I think AEW is lost in this. Like, You still need him talking. Like He is the best talker in your company. He can talk people into the building. He can talk people to spend... 50 bucks on your pay-per-views but you have to have them out there talking and not commenting and that's what i was saying about the the whole thing with dynamite like the story coming out of this match was not the world title it was brian danielson talking about going home that's a good point and your world title should world title should be the focal point of your show like wrestlemania the biggest event in the world of wrestling is being a built about a title match Titles still matter if you put the emphasis on it because people understand winning and losing. And if you don't have your champion out there talking about why he's the best in the world and everybody's jealous and they know it, is he? And that's where I think AEW drops the ball. Like, you and I have watched this show from day one. The only time the world title felt really, really important to me was Jericho Moxley in the beginning. And then a little bit with Kenny bouncing around between uh, AEW and Impact. Because that was kind of cool. But, like, the, the Hangman Page run wasn't great. CM Punk's run wasn't great. You know, Moxley's two title runs were solid, but they weren't, like, earth-shattering. And you got a 24-, 25-year-old kid on top of the mountain ready to rump the ball. And then you're just like, yeah, we're going to pause you for a little bit and we'll start you back up. Like, it doesn't make sense. If you're having all these older guys put your younger talent over and then you don't feature your younger talent in the right situation coming into the next show, setting up your next big event where you generate your revenue. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, I feel like they're missing some opportunities with him as champion right now. And I thought you brought up a very, very good point that on on the street, he's not recognizable right now. Like you could ask. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anyone who doesn't follow wrestling, do you know who Roman Reigns is? And I would imagine that 9 out of 10 people will say, yeah, I do um, at this point. I don't think you know, maybe 2 out of 10 people on the street would know who MJF is. I think that's with the disconnect. Um, to the original question again, did he make a statement in his Iron Match performance? Yes, he did. It has left me wanting more, though, where I really I, – I know he's a great in-ring worker, and I want to say that he's one of the best in the business right now. But I, I want to see more, and I don't know if he wants to market himself more, and I don't know if AEW wants to market him, him as more as well in that vein. And and he may not think that he needs to be an in-ring worker, like legitimately think that, that he's a great in-ring worker and he has nothing to prove. But, again, I, I just don't think he's he's there yet. I really want him to be. I'm a fan of his work, but it's um, overall it's just not there yet. So, yes, he made a statement, but he's not – it's like, oh, come on, dude, go a little bit more. Keep proving them wrong. Keep proving them wrong. And it just doesn't seem like something, some sort of entity or entities don't want that to happen quite yet. Or they think that he is or he thinks he is bigger than he really is. And it pains me to say it because, again, big MJF fan. Um, before we get to the next topic, real quick here on the MJF stuff, Dr. Trey. Uh, everybody's talking about first five minutes of the Iron Man match. He grabs a cup of what he presumed was water. It was actually tequila threw it on a uh, child, a young child, eight, nine years old. There are some wrestling fans that are obviously saying this is great heel heat. There is obviously people out there saying that it's like very cheap heat and, and kind of um, lowbrow and, and ridiculous. I'm in the group of, I thought it was lowbrow and ridiculous and something that you don't need to do. You know, we as fans know you, you can't assault or touch the wrestlers. In the same sense, I don't think that the wrestlers should be touching the fans especially a child man like that there's just like work your gimmick work your character just don't do that type of shit where, where do you stand on this dr Trey? because you've played a heel before you've done indie shows what did you think of mjf sp- <laughs> throwing um alleged tequila on a child during this match who's yeah, not I, a plant was, by the way yeah I, I thought it was too much like that was always my rule like I don't touch the fans. They don't touch me. Now, if they touch me, I'm going to knock them on their ass. And that's just wrestling in general. Like, you know, we've seen those videos of, like, guys diving into the ring in WWE, fans diving in there, and the wrestlers beating the crap out of them until security gets there. But, like, I'll mess with kids. Like, I'll make fun of them. I'll mock them. I'll, you know, do things like that to upset them because if the kid gets mad at me and starts yelling, then the parents are enjoying it, and then everybody else gets into it. But to actually throw water in a kid's face, like to me, like that's like that just crosses the line because even as a heel, I want the kids to have fun, 
because they're the foundation of our audience going forward. If the kids want to go to wrestling, the parents will bring them. And then when they get older, they become me and Jeff Peck. Like, they're the kids that are promoting the shows everywhere else. But to go that far, to me, is just too much because... Now, they did a good thing because they what they did was basically, like, kiss the kid's ass and made him a lifelong fan in, in that retrospect. But, to avoid a lawsuit? You know, yeah. <laughs> but, like, if they had... I mean, if the parents had yanked that kid out of the crowd and went home right then, like... Where would they be at? Because now that kid, not just that kid, but then parents, are parents going to bring their kids to AEW shows? What if are his mom socked them? MJF? Oh, um, I think is if that was legitimately tequila, isn't that like, um, oh, uh, uh, contributing to the delinquency of a minor? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, I've, we've read water. We've heard tequila. Um, if that was tequila, she was definitely had a nice moderate pour. Of tequila, I just think it it's like, dude, you are over as a heel. Like, you come down the ramp, you take your gum out, you throw it at fans, you give them the finger. Like, we get it. Like, you're a great character and gimmick, and you're, like, really living it right now. The people see you out in public, and you do the same stuff. The autograph signings of the YouTube videos out there are, are very good. I think deep down, um, MJF is, is not the dick that he is portraying on television, but it's like, ugh, like why we, you don't have to do stuff like that. And I guess Tony Khan had to say that they had a very serious conversation. I just felt like that stuff crossed the line. Like this is, this is for entertainment. And it's like, don't, don't spill a drink on a child. Like what the hell are you doing? Even if it was water, like what the hell are he's you doing? He's lucky that the kid's dad, like, like look, oh, if his dad Frank was there. I'm saying, like, Sammy Franklin's four years old. If we go to a show as a fan and somebody throws water in my kid's face, I'm coming over the rail. Like, security's not going to stop me. I am getting to that wrestler who uh, would unprovokingly through. Now, as a, as a heel manager, yeah, if there's a kid in the front row and he's got, like, a plate of nachos, I'll take a nacho off his plate and eat it, you know, and just to piss him off. But to, like, the physical interaction with me is crossing line. If we don't want fans crossing the barriers to come after us, mm-hmm. we can't do things that would cause them physically to come over the barrier. Like we can't do anything physically to somebody to make them come over the barrier. Cause that's on us. And if I was at a show at MJF through water and Sammy's uh, face, MJF's getting taken down. Now I might get my ass kicked at the end of the day, but they're going to know I was there. Switching gears here, sticking with AEW Revolution, though, I thought it was a statement pay-per-view for the new era of wrestling for AEW. So one or two things here. First one, I felt like this has been leading into the pay-per-view creatively. This has been one of their best pay-per-views since All Out 2021. I think they've had a very bad string of creative. 2022 was a very hard year outside of a couple of little bright parts, like CM Punk MJFU was very good. Um, But it's overall, I just felt like it was a tough year for AEW and it's been a tough couple of months. And, and Tony Khan has talked about how he's changed his creative style and, and all that stuff and how he books the shows. And there's been a lot of things that aren't tied off really well. One of those things actually took place on Wednesday's dynamite of why I have gripes with, with AEW time. It's like, okay, so QT's not with a factory anymore. And then you come to read, well, QT Marshall and the factory, they split up over a tweet that he sent out. But uh, but I digress. So I thought it was a very good build. The pay-per-view was very, very solid. One of the highest rated AW pay-per-views we've had in some time. 
Um, the post so far has been meh, but the second part in this is the new era of wrestling. Take a look at the results of this pay-per-view again. Ricky Starks defeats Chris Jericho. Jack Perry defeats Christian Cage. House of Black defeats The Elite. Jamie Hayter defeats Saray and Ruby Soho. Hangman Page defeats John Moxley. Wardlow defeats Samoa Joe. The Guns retain. MJF defeats Brian Danielson. Dr. Trey. Every result had a younger, up-and-coming star defeating an established veteran, whether they were established in AEW, WWE, ROH, Impact Wrestling. That's what happened on Sunday's pay-per-view. And I don't feel like this is being talked about enough. I thought this was a great showcase for AEW to say, like, listen, we're, we've been down, but we're not out, and we can climb out of this hole, and this is who we're going to put the uh, the rocket ship on and, and really showcase how we're going to change the game. I thought it was... Uh, it, again, not very much talked about, but very subtly, a great statement pay-per-view for AEW uh, this past Sunday from Revolution. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we kind of referenced this a couple months ago when you looked at like who the who we were holding the belts, and you're like, wow, it's MJF, it's the Wardlows, it's the acclaimed, it was Jamie Hayter. I'm like, wow, this is a a pretty young, diverse group of champions here. Then you know, Jade Cargill, you know, things like that, like. It's a very, like, you have all these ex-WWE guys, but it's the AEW homegrown guys. You know, Dar- uh, Darby Allen in the TNT picture. Uh, Orange Cassidy, your AEW All-Atlantic slash now international champion, whatever that is. Like, it was all kind of homegrown talent. So they've been doing a great job of showcasing their younger talents against these established veterans um, and not relying. It, it's, it's a great practice. Hey, let's put a guy with a name in here with our young guys and then the fans can learn about our younger guys and appreciate them. It's it's basically what Impact and TNA should have been doing when they first started and all the way through the Hogan Bischoff era and everything else. It's like, yeah, your your names draw people to the TV, but then you showcase your younger talent and people become fans. That's why there's so many Darby Allen fans now and Orange Cassidy fans and MJF fans and Jungle Boy fans because they've been given a chance to be showcased in these situations and, you know, I've had more success than not. So, um, they're doing a really good job of, of building that younger talent up. <clears throat> Excuse me, but like some of the stuff like we saw about dynamite, we're like, it's still about a little bit about booking contiguous storylines that make sense. And, uh, you know, jump capitalizing on the success. You know, you look at the, like you named off the people that won, you know, we really we, MJF non dynamite. Jungle Boy didn't have a follow up. Wardlow lost his title to Hobbs. Like, you know, we really didn't see much with FTR and the guns on dynamite. Like, you didn't capitalize. Like, strike while the iron's hot and keep feeding the frenzy. And that's how you get that. You know, that that's how, you know, WWE was built during the Attitude Era. Like, the guys who got hot, they stayed with them and they ran them until they weren't hot anymore. And then by that point, somebody else has caught fire and you run with them. So just it's still a little bit of growing pains with AEW when it comes to the storytelling. But they've done a great job of building up these younger names to be on the same level as, you know, their former WWE Ring of Honor Impact Wrestling stars. I also want to just add that it did not feel like a very long pay-per-view. I know it was just under four hours. Um, And I think this... And a lot of that was obviously covered up by MJF and Brian Danielson. But I think that is that's the wheelhouse right now for pay-per-views, like six to eight really good solid matches creatively that make sense. 
the stuff where I mean they were doing ten to tw- eleven to twelve matches on these pay per views recently, and a lot of these matches were just like this throwaway BS. It's like save that stuff for Dynamite and Rampage. Like put some eyes on Dynamite and Rampage leading up, and I think that's what WWE does a good job with. You're going into Elimination Chamber week, but the Intercontinental Championship the night before is the focal point, and the week before that they had a Fatal Four Way. And then they're following up a week later with the t- actual title match before the actual before the pay per view. Instead of saying, "All right, we're going to throw this onto the pay per view," and then the pay per view feels like it's all drawn out and tiresome, and you're there for five hours. And that's been the biggest gripe I've had with AEW pay per views. It's like they're way too friggin' long, and this show felt right. I still think close to four hours is long for a pay per view, but they got under four about six, seven, eight matches they had. Uh, I think it was eight overall, and I thought it was a good show. And I was very happy for AW. It's been great to talk positively. The drawback to that is exactly what Dr. Trey has been pointing out throughout this entire episode. It's been like, but Dynamite was not was not great. It was like this amazing wave heading into AW Revolution. It was like, oh, man, this is the creative we've, we knew in love with AW for a while. And then the pay-per-view happens, and you're like, this is a good, solid show. And then following it up, it's like, Mew. Like, what? Like, what are we doing? Like, damn it, Tony Khan. But they obviously have plenty of time. The show for Winning a Peg has me hyped. Elite, House of Black, JAS, all performing in that three-way. That's going to be a lot of fun. So I, I do feel like overall, AEW has had some really, really good momentum, and I'm excited for them, and I'm happy for them, because Dr. Trey and I are often referred to as AEW haters lately, which makes no sense at all. Not like Jamie hater, just actual haters. Um, wrapping up this week's edition of the show, we would be remiss if we didn't check in with our regular weekly segment here of WrestleMania 39 card updates. Uh, we've had three matches announced this past week since we last met on last week's edition of the show. Previously mentioned as official Reigns and Rhodes, Flair and Ripley, Bel Air and Asuka, Lesnar and Omos, WrestleMania 39 host The Miz. Now official in the past week since we last uh, spoke, Dr. Trey. And we'll get your uh, thoughts here. Austin Theory defend the United States Championship against John Cena. I loved their segment on Monday's Raw. I thought it was really good to set up this match. Yeah, it was it was uncomfortably good. Like early on, you felt like Cena was just roasting Theory, um, and then Theory held his own. Like it wasn't as one sided as it could have been. Um, and I, and I love the stuff where he was like, "No, I'm not going to wrestle you. I'm saving you from yourself." I love that he referenced signs in the crowd. You know, like, it was a really damn good segment. And then you got the little Cody Rhodes bump at the end. So, uh, overall, like, really, really excited for it. Plus, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued more for how the result is going to pay off. Like, does Theory pin Cena clean? Does Cena actually win this match? Like, I'm really intrigued as to how they put this match together and book this match going for post-WrestleMania. Yeah, this is this is going to be one that we'll have our eyes on for sure heading into WrestleMania season. Uh, Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. I thought the segments to really build this one up has, uh, has been good as well. I like the stuff they did at the Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and the uh, last couple of weeks of segments on Raw I thought have been very good as well. Can I just say how much I love The Miz? Like, he's just he's... been getting his ass kicked for like six weeks now because of this. And he's just like, shows up, smile on his face, does his job, gets super kicked multiple times, stomped multiple times, and then just comes back. Like, that dude is so comfortable in his role in the company. 
like he's I don't want to say he's our truth ish because truth has been around forever and he knows his role. He knows what he's there for. Miz is that way, but then you know, at any point they could pull the trigger and make Miz a main eventer again. So who knows? Well, we've always said that he's been a great soldier for the company, and you're seeing again what a comp- the most company guy of all time in WWE history is the friggin' Miz. Uh, yeah. And then finally, Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus will be taking on Damage Control in a trios match. I called that one. I've been calling that one for weeks. Like I kind of felt like that's where they were going to go with it. Now the question is going to be. Do they get the tag belts off of Becky and uh, Lita and onto somebody else for Shayna and Ronda? But then Ronda might be hurt, so who knows? Um, I, I saw some people like crapping on the fact that Lita and Trish have a match at WrestleMania, but I'm like, oh my god, yeah, but they're it's but they're in there with Becky, Bailey, EO, and Dakota, so it's mm-hmm. not like they're taking anybody's spot. You know, like this is literally then, now, forever for this match because it's literally the past, the present and the future of the women's division all tied up in this one six person uh, tag match. But this is what I want to see. This is the, this is the match that I want to see. I want to see them in this match with damage control. And I think it helps like, you don't think Dakota's Kai and Bailey are like losing their shit that they're in a match at WrestleMania with Trish Strash and Lita. Like this is probably a dream come true for these girls. When is Charlotte and Trish Rose? Was that a Mania or was that a SummerSlam? That was SummerSlam, and that was a great match yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. And, and Lita's so, match at Elimination Chamber against Becky Lynch was really well done. Yeah, and so for me, like, if you're a woman of... If you're a female wrestler and you're a fan of women's wrestling and you know the history, if you can be in a match with Lita and Trish, like... Like, you're, like I got excited to meet Jimmy Hart at a wrestling show that I was working on. You know, because... Like I know my history of wrestling managers, and he was kind of the you know one of the the forebearers or forefathers of, you know, being a ring jet, you know, being a ringside manager. So like I can, like you're right, Dakota and Io have to be like pitching themselves that we're going to be in a match against Trish and Lita at WrestleMania with Becky and Bailey on each side. Also, like that's literally like if you can't, you couldn't pick six people really better to put into the spot than those six with the storyline and everything else. So I think it makes a ton of sense. And then let's look at the rumored expected list that we've had here. We've been going off of this the last couple of weeks. The Usos defend the unified WWE Tag Team Championship against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. That looks to be almost ready for completion here, Dr. Trey, after the way that Raw ended this past Monday, which was really well done. I would say this is like 99.9% happening. And I think this is something that we could say for a topic, maybe on next week's edition of the show. But if you're looking for a night one main event, I think it's this match. Yeah, not to mention with Cody running in for the save for Sammy after the uh, the handshake on SmackDown. Could we get Cody, Kevin, and Sammy in a six-person with Roman in the bloodline before WrestleMania or just... Solo in the bloodline, I, like I kind of feel like we're going to get that also before WrestleMania, which would be I, I, crazy fit. Crazy I would fit. say Usos and Solo would probably be it. Maybe like post WrestleMania, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens as well, like the night after WrestleMania. But I do agree with you that I think that is something that's coming. Uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio, I, I would say, is still ready to go, wouldn't you, Doctor Trey? Yeah. By the way, Dominic with the teardrop tattoo, a la old school Undertaker. By the way, I don't know if you saw that on Raw. Like, I, I I don't know how long he's had it. I just happened to notice on Raw this week. I was like, look at Dom stealing a 
like he is really taken to this whole like prison gimmick. I love it. It's been fan- it's been really really good. And this is from a guy that like six months ago wanted to run Dominic Mysterio out of professional wrestling. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt, I would say, is still on pace for WrestleMania as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's I'm once again confused on. I, I'm still I don't know about you. I love the Bray Wyatt stuff, but I have no idea what it means. Like I don't know <laughs> is Bray. Like, because typically, if you're a guy and you have like people in a stable, you're usually a villain. But then people and Bobby Lashley may be the most polarizing person in wrestling because you either love Lashley or you hate Lashley. There is no middle ground with Bobby Lashley. So, like, I'm confused on babyface heel in this match because you get Lashley who's kind of a heel, but Bray has people coming out to jump him which is a heel thing. So I, I'm like totally confused with it. Uh, I think we can remove Becky Lynch and Lee to defending the women's tag team championship against Ronda and Shayna. I, I think we can remove that from the list. Yeah. Um, because I mean, that, I mean, the hell is six person has been confirmed. I, I still said for weeks, I thought that at some point they'd put the belts on Raquel and live or somebody like that, or live in Shotzi or somebody and have them face Shayna and Ronda at WrestleMania. Um, I still think that could happen at some point because I just kind of feel like they might do like, you know, Becky and Lita versus another good girl tag team. And then EO and Dakota cost them the belts, you know, to move the belts over to Shane and Rhonda. Uh, we could also remove Bailey versus Trish Stratus from our list. Yeah. I mean, we just combined it. That's all yeah. we did. And then edge and Finn Balor, they're going to have a, a segment on Monday's raw. I would say this is going to be official for WrestleMania by the time we meet next week. The only thing is if it's going to be a Hell in a Cell match, which has been rumored as well. Can we do the uh, the dog kennel Hell in a Cell match? Oh, my God, yeah. That was Big Boss Man and Al Snow. <laughs> where the dogs are outside. And, and basically, if you go back to that match, the dogs are just taking shits in between. Yeah. So, great concept, but horrible well, execution. they were nervous. They were in front of 15,000 people. If I'm oh, a dog in yeah. front of 15,000 people, I'm probably shitting the floor, too. Uh, and then finally, we'll we'll know about this uh, by Friday's SmackDown. Gunther defending the Intercontinental Championship against either Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Karrion Cross, LA Knight, or Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods has taken the place of Kofi Kingston, who has an ankle injury. Those five will be battling it out for the right to take on the Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania. It's always possible, Dr. Trey, that this could end up as a six-pack challenge. Maybe all hell breaks loose. We've heard rumors of a triple threat of Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Or we may get an actual winner where we've also heard rumors of Gunther and Sheamus or Gunther and Drew McIntyre. So what do you think about this Intercontinental Championship match heading into WrestleMania? Yeah, I want to go back to the way it was about five, six years ago when it was either the U.S. title or Eric Collins title was going to be a six-man ladder match. I used to love those. So, um, like, to me, like, if you're going to do a six-pack challenge, you can't really have a draw. So it's going to end up having to be some kind of winner. Like, and personally, like as a fan of Up, Up, Down, Down, I, I kind of pull for Xavier Woods, but it's it's probably going to be Sheamus or or Drew Mack. And then you saw a little bit of the tension between those guys on SmackDown. So it's, it, to me, they're setting up for a triple threat, but I don't know how you book yourself out of the corner doing a six-pack challenge type thing. So as of right now, we've got, a seven, we've got seven official matches. We have... Um, total one two three four five matches that are rumored slash expected on our count which then takes us to about 12 total matches for wrestlemania i think that we may see night one and two be seven 
uh, and seven. I think you may have 14 total matches. And if we've got 12 right now, I think the two other matches that may round this all out, Dr. Trey, is the Women's Battle Royal and the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I know there's the Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler stuff that's looming, but I don't know if they're going to be performing right now at WrestleMania. I I feel like this card, this pic, the picture for this card is is pretty much clear right now. I can't see anything else bubbling up. Can you? No, not really. But let me ask you this, and I and this was the big debate I had on Twitter this week was when you look at this card that we have projected out versus previous cards. Are you let down at all by this card? Or are you excited for this card compared to cards of the past three years? Because I think you and I both agree, like the last couple years, pandemic, WrestleMania to now has been some of the best WrestleMania we've had in quite a while. Are you on paper let down by this show as compared to shows past? Um, no, I think the, the creative has been on par with WrestleMania. I think on March 9th, I would say I'm not let down right now because I've enjoyed the creative of it all. And, and these matchups, some of these are, are really intriguing and interesting. I would say the only match I'm meh on is Brock and Omos. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're missing the star power, but this is kind of what we want as fans, right? I mean, we want new and current stars to get the focal and outside of Cena and Logan Paul being in, included in a match against two guys. I know Becky and, uh, excuse me, Lita and Trish we just mentioned. There's nothing here that I think is like, oh my God, it sucks that they're doing Reigns and Lesnar again. Yeah, it's, it's, at least it's not Reigns and Lesnar again. Um, I mean, really, star power wise, who are you lacking that we've had in years past? I mean, Undertaker? AJ? Yeah. I mean, is AJ on that level? I mean, AJ's not on that level. No. You know? No, I think I think Reigns and Cody is a WrestleMania matchup, and I think if they're night two, I mean, you're presuming that they're night two, and I don't want to get – this is definitely a topic we're going to be talking about here in the coming weeks because now that Revolution is behind us, it's full steam ahead towards WrestleMania and stand and deliver everything going on with WrestleMania weekend. I, I really think Usos and Sammy and Kevin should close out night one right now. Yeah. I think as a wrestling fan, yes. I still think they may go Seth Logan Paul. That would be surprising. I think that's an opener in my eyes. I just, the Logan Paul social media draw, and, and we have no concrete numbers really on how many of his fans have made their way over to being wrestling fans yet. Um, so I don't know really what he's drawing. So that's the only thing. Like if the, if the social media numbers show that he brings people to the table, that might close out night one. So we have a lot to discuss here in the coming weeks. It's full steam ahead now for WrestleMania 39 coming at you in, uh, in just a few short weeks. Uh, with that said, let's close up this edition of the show and get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at realguyradio.com. WrestleChatNet on Twitter and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. To help us climb the charts on iTunes, you can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Just search out Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket Seed Championship Wrestling. We just had a really big show this past Saturday. We have another one coming up on the 18th as we are on the road to Wrestling Con 6. 
uh, Chase Owens, the the crown jewel of the Bullet Club, will be at WrestleCon 6. And then just announced this past Saturday, uh, Sin Bodhi, the former Kazarni from WWE, will be making his return to Rocket City. We haven't seen him in almost a year as well. So looking forward to those guys being there. Also, I don't know, Jeff, did, I didn't get any feedback. I posted the links to the, the political talk show on our S- on SA- SRTU page. Nobody told me I was crazy or lunatic, so apparently uh, I can be a somewhat conservative Republican talk show host. I didn't I didn't hear anybody uh, bash me for it. No, that's good. I guess congratulations, yeah. my friend. That's, nobody has canceled you yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could be uh, slush Limbaugh. Slush. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That is definitely a wrestling character. So the support of all the great things that support SRTU each and every week and continue to spread the word about the Still Real to Us show. Uh, until next week, as we continue this road to WrestleMania 39 and everything in between, whether it be WWE, AW, or anything else in the world of professional wrestling, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is the Still Real to Us show. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.